Welcome to Raising OKC Kids, Conversations with Metro Family in Oklahoma City. I'm Erin Page, and today we are joined by Lynn Porter with the Oklahoma City National Memorial and Museum to talk about their programming for kids and families and why it's so important that we both acknowledge and remember the tragedy of the Oklahoma City bombing in 1995 and look forward toward a positive future. Welcome, Lynn. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you. I'm, I'm happy to be here and talking with you today. Lynn is the education director for the Oklahoma City National Memorial and Museum, and she has been with the organization for 15 years. So much has changed in our world since 1995, and I'm always incredibly impressed by how the memorial staff have continued to evolve curriculum and learning opportunities for kids and families to remain relevant to the next generation, to ensure those whose lives were lost on April 19th, 1995 are remembered and honored, and to teach important lessons on strength, courage, and resolve. Lynn, what has it been like for you to work with the staff, survivors, and family members on this mission through the years? Oh, it's been an incredible opportunity for me. I think it's given me the chance to learn about gratefulness that, you know, you look at the people that what they went through and just how they are today, that they've gotten through this tragedy and, and the healing. And it just makes you stop and reflect on your life when you're getting upset about, you know, small things that, you know what, I, I'm grateful that, um, you know, I have a good life and, and I'm, you know, did not have to go through that tragedy. So it just kind of puts things in perspective. And it's, it's been wonderful to see how people have gotten through this, the different types of strategies they use, their coping strategies, their healing, and just that they're able to live a full life today. Um, just that all of us, you know, can go through these tough times and, and especially something that they went through and that they can still get out the other side. So it's it's been good for me to kind of see all of that and experience it. You guys do such a, a great job of really involving survivors, involving family members in everything you do from what is on display in the museum to all of your educational curriculum. I know that um, you're so intentional about that process. And I think that absolutely shows in everything you guys do. And that was important to us that we, you know, the memorial was built with family members, survivors, first responders, people from the community, and it's their story. So we need to make sure we get it right and, and involve them every step of the way. So that's something that continues to do this day that they're always um, involved in all of the planning and, and what we do and continue to do here at the memorial. One of the exciting high-tech programs the museum has added is augmented reality for students, which they actually can make use of in their classrooms prior to coming to the museum on a field trip. Tell us how this program works and what kinds of things students learn in the process. Yeah, so we wanted an opportunity to kind of give the kids some background information before they get to the museum. So they just have more questions or, you know, are curious of what happened and expand their knowledge. So we go to schools prior to um, visits and we have different 
stations, about seven different stations that have um, artifacts from the event or pieces of evidence. And then they have their own iPad that they get to use and they hold it up to the different pieces and they learn about hope and healing, the investigation, different types of media, because the kids today, you know, a lot of them don't read a newspaper. So hearing from different journalists at that time, how it was reported. So again, giving a little bit of background information on this story. So when they get here, they can expand on that and learn a little bit more, but also be, um, you know, looking forward to experiencing the Memorial Museum and, and get that deeper um, understanding of it. And we, um, you know, unfortunately, during the pandemic, we weren't able to get out to schools, but hopefully soon we'll be back there and giving them that opportunity. It's a lot to process for kids to um, really no matter what age they are when they come in. And so I love that this program really gives them the opportunity to have some extra time to process before they come, to ask questions, to talk with their classmates um, and really get them kind of in a headspace where they can fully experience the museum and the memorial as well. Absolutely. It does, like you said, it gives them the opportunity to kind of ask questions, think about things. So when they get here, they're able to get those answers or again, ask people throughout their visit um, a little bit more about that. It also gives them a time to talk with their parents before they come here, to ask their parents where they were, how they remember it, and, and get some dialogue going. And then when they get here, then they can again talk with their family at, about this experience. It really um, personalizes it for them. I think, um, I know you and I have talked before about it's it's strange as the years go by that so many more people who come to the Memorial and Museum maybe weren't even born in right. 1995 or didn't live here. And so um, being able to really help people understand, um, you know, the, the, the individuals, the people, the families that were impacted um, is such a key piece of what you guys do. And I, I love that this program really helps kids experience it in that way. And there's a lot of transplants here. So a lot of families that their parents were, didn't live here at that time. And if they live somewhere else, they, they may not know about it. And so it gives them the opportunity to kind of learn through their kids as well about this important event. You guys have also opened a really incredible STEM lab, which integrates STEM with history, and you've just added another theme to this space. What can you tell us about that, and what can students explore when they're in the STEM lab? Yeah, so our STEM lab is, again, like you said, um, kind of tying STEM with history. So, you know, a lot of times kids just come from history classes here to the museum, but we wanted to expand that because it's so much more. There were, you know, investigators, there was a lot of careers in science, technology, engineering, engineering, and math that played a key role in the rescue and recovery and investigation. So we wanted kids from other classes to also be able to experience this and, and meet the standards um, that schools have. And so they're able to come into a lab where there's some interactive tables one lessons on forensics so they learn a little bit of how the investigation went what they look for how they you know develop the case into uh, bringing it against the perpetrators and 
what's important. We also have one on structures and ways where they look at the way that the building collapsed and changes that came about um, because of this event, what lessons were learned. But we are adding a new one, environmental science, and we're looking at the memorial, what plants, trees are there and, and why they were planted, but also looking at how um, plants and trees survive, what they need to thrive. And so kids are able to look at what all is needed in this, what's native to Oklahoma, and kind of build their own memorial with different plants and trees and, and how they would do it. So again, just adding another part where kids get a deeper understanding of what we've done here at the Memorial Museum or anything about the um, event itself. That's so great. Um, you've also launched a program called Better Conversations that teaches students and adults how to resolve conflict peacefully. And I can think of uh, pretty much no other important, more important things right now than, than this. How do you work through conflict? So what was the inspiration behind the Better Conversations program? Well, at the time that we launched that, we were going into our 25th anniversary and just kind of looking back on, on what the Memorial and Museum, how it, how it started. And it really started um, with conversation. Um, you know, they wanted to make sure that this, the people that died on that day were never forgotten. Um, so Mayor Norick at the time um, brought together 350 member task force of family members, survivors, first responder and community members and brought them together to try and think of how, what is the best way to memorialize them and, and teach about the impact of violence. So of course, at that time within months, you know, it was still a very raw event for people. They've lost their loved ones and, and it was really hard and people were in all different stages of grief. So there were a lot of emotions. And so they had to learn to talk with one another and get through these difficult conversations and come out with a common goal and objective to build this memorial museum. So we were looking back at that and we're was looking at what was happening around the world and, and there is a lot of, um, you know, trouble right now and, and people are, you know, very divided in their opinions. So we wanted to bring some tools to people um, to give them on how to have those difficult conversations. So we had some facilitation courses and, and how that you can you know, facilitate difficult conversations, but also be a participant. So we have some grounding virtues of, of kind of some rules that we have before we start the conversation. And then again, kind of teach people that, you know, it's important to be patient with one another, listen to different perspectives, have an open mind. So we opened it up um, to have those conversations. Again, that pandemic kind of uh, started right about the same time. So we had a lot of conversations via Zoom. And then some, we just started some in-person ones again here at the museum. We wanted to provide a safe place where people felt like they could um, have these conversations. And so it's been a really positive experience for us. And, and I think people are eager to, to talk about these and want to listen to how other people have opinions too. And, you know, maybe at the, you know, if people are angry with something, if they talk it through, you know, our hope is that maybe they'll see the other perspective and see that, okay, there's other ways to handle things. So, so important. I love what you said about giving people a safe space to do that. Um, as we all spend more time online and, and via technology, I think 
those face-to-face -face conversations and how to resolve conflict, we kind of get further and further away from remembering how to do that well. And it's something that the next generation is going to battle too, for sure. So I love that, that you guys provide this opportunity. How have you seen the Better Conversations program begin to make an impact on the community? I think people are eager to get together and have, especially after being on Zoom so long, to get together in person and have these conversations and, you know, understand that there are different ways of looking at a problem. And so I think that it's, it's helped people being able to express their own emotions, maybe their frustrations. But again, you know, in a safe place and, and able to take away you know, what other people have said. I mean, we've been very fortunate that most of them, you know, have been, you know, very positive. There hasn't been any, you know, individuals that have just been, you know, crazy or taking the whole conversation and, and you know, people have been civil to one another. And that, that's what we want people to understand that, you know, not everyone, everyone comes from their own environment, their own experiences. And we're not going to agree on everything, but there, we need to be civil when we disagree. And again, no one has just the right answers. There's more than one answer to things and, and just kind of talking through that. And if they, if we, we start on a topic and we're not necessarily trying to find the right answer, again, we just want to talk through things. And a lot of people I've heard, you know, they go on to have these conversations with their friends, or maybe they'll go on to be an advocate for whatever we're talking about. So we're hoping that, you know, these skills kind of extend and they continue to talk to other people, maybe at their church or, you know, schools or wherever, and, and able to have conversations about these tough topics. That's so great. I love that you guys are doing that. Um, for kids, when they are coming to visit the memorial or museum, especially for the first time, whether it's with their family or on a field trip, um, in addition to hopefully getting to experience that augmented reality, what are some things that parents should talk with their kids about before that first visit to really help um, prepare them for what the experience is going to entail? I think it's important for them to remind their children that, you know, there is far more good in this world than evil and that it's okay to be sad when you come here. It, it was a sad event and it's okay to have those emotions, um, but we hope that they also see the resilience of this city and talk about the Oklahoma standards, service, honor, and kindness, and really focus on those values that, you know, you can, um, it's important to be kind to one another and just, if maybe we're all kinder to one another, things like this would not happen and, and um, talk about things. But I think, again, just focusing in on, yes, this is a difficult um, topic to, and to understand and go through. It's okay, again, to have those emotions, the sad or anger. Um, but again, that we are a resilient community and people come together in times of tragedy, especially in Oklahoma, we've learned with all of the tornadoes. But, you know, we've been some through some very tough times, but the community um, is out there for us, there's support, and there is hope and healing. Such great advice, Lynn, thank you. Um, as we wrap up today, while the work of the Memorial and Museum was certainly born out of tragedy, 
how is the work of the organization providing hope right now for the community and for you personally? Well, I think it's just is you go through here and you hear stories from the first responder survivors, family members, and you just hear that they're able to, to live their life fully and have positive experiences and experience happiness. And I think just seeing that gives hope to other people that might be struggling with something right now. It's, you know, a lot of kids that come through here, they might, their parents may be having a, getting a divorce or the, a death of a parent or grandparent. And just, I think just seeing how um, we can rise from this tragic event and move forward and, and have, a, you know, opportunities to be positive and, and go through this. But I think that that is just, um, it helps me come to work every day. And it, it's, you know, sometimes you're just like, oh gosh, I, I, you know, it's, you've had a tough week or something, but then you come here and you see like, wow, you know, I need to be grateful. I'm, I'm well, I have good friends, I have support. And I think just letting people see how the community came together and, and continues to come together in times of difficulty. Um, that that brings hope to the community and to myself. Definitely. Thank you so much for joining us today, Lynn, for all of your great advice and for all the incredible work that you and your team do at the Memorial and Museum. And thank you. Thanks for this opportunity and all the work that you all do. Thanks, Lynn. For our listeners, you can learn more about the Oklahoma City National Memorial and Museum by visiting memorialmuseum.com. Thanks everyone for listening. Join us next time on Raising OKC Kids.